0: Well, actually, City on the Edge then. Let's do it. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. City on the Edge.
1: City on the Edge. City
0: on the Edge. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. City on the Edge. Why don't you introduce us this time, Mike? Hello,
2: Albuquerque and people who like Albuquerque. This is City on the Edge, starring Ty, Nora, and Mike.
0: Hi. Hello. We're stars. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that sounds nice. Yeah.
2: All right. It's City on the Edge with Ty, Nora, and Mike,
0: starring Ty, Nora, and Mike. Yes, here we are. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about <laughs> the infamous TWA yes. Flight 260, which crashed into the Sandia mm-hmm. Mountains. Yeah. And if you've lived here a while, you might have heard about it, mm-hmm. but maybe not. Like, I, th- I think it took me a long time to hear about it. Um, I heard about it from Mike. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Likes yeah. to always well, talking about things. I just like death. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. No, that's
2: not true. <laughs> uh, well, but yeah, I'm against it. First,
0: I have some uh, Al- uh, New Mexico news.
2: Oh, okay. All right.
0: All right. Get ready. All right. Okay.
2: It rained. Oh, yeah.
0: <gasps> it rained a lot, very briefly.
3: Yeah. yeah. It rained
0: like just a. Heck of a heck of an amount. Right. Got to keep that. Mm-hmm. Got to right. keep that family friendly status for uh, yeah. iTunes. But um, okay, so we're in a terrible drought, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, yeah. um, one of the worst I think that we've had uh, since I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, to the extent that the Rio Grande is is uh, dried up in certain places mm-hmm. south of us, mm-hmm. um, they're saying that there's, there's going to be some water restrictions coming. I know places like Placidas, they're almost wow they're about to start water restrictions. Um, so rain is obviously a big deal anytime it happens yeah. in New Mexico. But right now, it really felt like this great blessing mm-hmm. from above. Oh, it was so it was so nice. Yeah. Um, My
1: dog was really curious about it because she (laughs) hadn't seen
0: she hadn't seen rain
1: (laughs) rain of that quantity in her life. (laughs) She's young and she just moved here in February. Uh Wow,
0: that's that's huge. And uh, so (laughs) I feel like it would it lasted about half an hour.
1: Yeah, 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 I think so.
0: But it was extremely dramatic. It was great with hail, hail, wind. Yeah, the hail was crazy.
1: There's lightning.
0: Lightning. Yeah. Um, everything got really dark for mm-hmm. that period of time. It was so neat. It was like 2.30, yeah. and it was like... It was I dark, had, People yeah. had headlights on. Right, which, I mean, yeah. we have 363 days of sunshine mm-hmm. here, <laughs> so that's that's kind of a big thing.
2: Yeah, it was great.
0: And unfortunately, we're not a city that deals with rain very often, no. mm-hmm. so... So many car wrecks. Car wrecks, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, basically, whenever it rains, people freak out on the highway. They have yeah. no idea what right. to do.
2: What is this? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, What's going on? Yeah. I thought water was in lakes.
0: <laughs> and But then some of the roads kind of turn into <laughs> lakes and rivers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Lomas always gets oh. into, like, this big... Uh, yeah a pool of water oh, yeah. in this one <laughs> place on a, like right about Lomas and Carlisle. Yeah. So, Eubank. Yeah. Cars foundering on it's Eubank. Super, central downtown. Central yeah.
2: downtown. Oh, that bridge. That's that a bridge. bridge. Yeah. 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 I don't,
0: fortunately I don't think anybody managed to lose their car down there this time, but in, yeah. in years past, this right. is a, uh, an underpass that goes down.
2: Right. Where uh, people 50
0: feet under the, yeah. the mm-hmm. surface of the street. Yeah. And, um, Couple of years ago, it was full of water, yeah. and people just kept driving into it because they could not I'm getting stuck. figure yeah. it out. They were like, "Oh, we we'll just you know, it looks my it looks car can right. go through that." Yeah. It's like a portal. There's some great videos on YouTube of people's cars just sort of floating Aww. off as they try <laughs> to Aww. try to navigate that.
2: We're dumb people.
0: Um, <laughs> but one of the most dangerous places are the uh, the ditches, mm-hmm. the acequias, oh. the canals, um, and they're dangerous to the point that anyone who grew up in Albuquerque remembered the Ditch Witch. Right. right. right? Ditches are deadly. Stay away. That's right. That was a, a public mm-hmm. information Bumper campaign. And before that, there's the longstanding tradition of La Llorona, yeah. which is a ghost that right. haunts these right. ditches and rivers and acequias. Basically, as a way to keep kids from, right. from going down there. and She getting, cares about yeah. safety. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's a yeah. she's a safety she's, first kind of ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: tell your kids those scary <laughs> tell stories. Tell your kids about La
0: Llorona. Yeah. <laughs> They'll love it. Um, it yeah. But yesterday, uh, three people did have to be rescued from the ditches because they are a kind of a, um, a no man's land in a way. So mm-hmm. if you're homeless, for instance, and you need to pitch your tent or something, you yeah. can do that down there. And so people get caught off guard uh-huh. by sudden surges of water um, one mm-hmm. lady did actually drown mm-hmm. um, super sense. as sad. a result of this yeah, yeah. so they said uh, they said it got um, eight feet deep uh, mm-hmm. down these ditches and the water was moving about 35 uh, miles wow. per hour
2: I saw it it was I just I
0: mean that's okay. yeah no no it, yeah.
2: that's fast yeah it was at every My kids were yelling looking out the car window c- because it was every place that it hit a bridge abutment, and it was just, just like, pluming up and almost flowing yeah. over onto the streets.
1: Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So are those arroyos ditches built for that purpose when a heavy rain comes and the water?
0: Yeah, so there's all this water that comes off Sandia, right, basically, yeah. and um, it needed somewhere to go, and there used to be natural arroyos yeah. cutting through these mm-hmm. areas, but they... They built houses around them and they don't want, you know, the arroyos are are uh, eroding because yeah. of the water. Mm. So they don't, they want to control right. where it goes and um, keep it from uh, undermining people's houses right. and stuff right. like that. So they, they did what they did in, like, Los Angeles, which is they concreted it up, you know. Yeah. So And you'll notice they're called, like, a o- Oso Arroyo. or, or um, They're named after they're, the canyons yeah. that they come oh, from right. the, cool. in San Diaz.
2: In um, I would encourage everyone to go to YouTube and look up the 1989 Muriel flood. Uh, Muriel is a street right here by where we're recording. We're recording at my house today, um, for our listeners. Um, and <laughs> you guys know. Come on uh, over. Yeah. Do you know you're in my house? Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, it's, so the 1989 flood was major. And this was when before the arroyos were paved. And it, like, totally mm. flooded a ton of the hou- the uh, houses in this part of town. Muriel Street had just, like, feet of mud in everybody's houses. Uh, and uh, a, a teenage girl tried to drive across a flooded street and drowned and was swept, oh in, swept away in her Volkswagen uh, bug. And, it, you know, it was major. But there's all this damage of right by here, like, Snow Heights and in Indian School um, mm. or S- Snow Heights and... Well, that area, like Snow Heights and Eubank, Eubank or Wantabo or something. Um, and uh, it's really insane to see. And, and to know that it's that recent that the mm-hmm. arroyos were paved. Like,
0: wow, I yeah. don't really yeah.
2: remember grassy arroyos when I... I guess I moved here in 91, so... And
0: it was probably like a yeah. a process, right? Yeah. Like, where they yeah. did yeah. the ones that had the most, yeah. like, houses around them or yeah. whatever. Mm.
2: But That's this, a... Yeah.
0: I remember coming yeah. out in um in the summers... Yeah, it, to Santa Fe, um, stay with my grandmother, uh, you know, from Texas. I was coming from Texas, right. and one one of my earliest memories was them was uh, the news showing a rescue of some kids who'd been caught in a flash flood in the Arroyo. You mm-hmm. know, and they have to yeah. lower down something from a helicopter. and You know, it was very dramatic yeah. at the time, and it just, yeah. Yeah, we have to yeah. live with. It's sad stuff, yeah. yeah. It's something... I mean, really, it's like this flood of biblical proportions yeah. for like half an hour. I know. And then it's gone. And
1: then it feels like, honestly, the next day, by the afternoon, it felt like it hadn't rained. That I mean, yeah. it was greener, but, you know, the water just gets sucked up it's or evaporates never enough. so quickly.
0: never enough. Yeah.
2: I have a book here with a picture of Albuquerque's east side flooded in the 60s and 70s. You guys keep
0: talking. I'm going to find it. Okay.
1: Um. One thing... That I am still not super clear on. There aren't sewers here, or there are in some places.
0: Uh, there are sewers. There are. I'm, w- what? <laughs> hmm. Okay, what do you know that I don't about this situation? Like, I know well, we have sewers. Well,
1: because I feel when I came here, um, growing up with such prominent sewer systems, <laughs> Are you? we are wait very a proud of our sewer Are you systems. throwing shade
0: on Albuquerque's sewer system?
1: A l- maybe a little bit. I have to say I was a little bit disrespectful to them at first. <laughs> to our
0: sewer systems. To system. the sewer
1: systems. Okay. But I feel like they weren't, they were so puny. And, okay. And so I'm wondering what happens to them in a flood or does anything happen? I, I don't know Where about does that. that water
0: go? I, I do feel like I really need to, uh, I need to stand up for Albuquerque here. We have sewers, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. Right. I don't know how you think this works, but um, <laughs> I, I don't know how they deal with uh, with I mean we have the storm drain system, mm-hmm. which never seems to cope uh, with yeah. a flood like it that's that's the reason that Lomas becomes a, a raging right. river right. for a while okay. um, you know they have
1: so the storm drains yeah are the maybe the face of the sewer aren't isn't as prominent as um, mm-hmm other places. Stop
0: insulting our seriousness. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. It's <laughs> <Look, laughs> very functional.
2: <laughs> this is a cool book, Albuquerque, It's Mountains, Valley, Water, and Volcanoes
0: uh-huh.
2: um, from the New Mexico Bureau of Mines and Mineral Resources. But look at this picture. Flood of July Whoa. 24th, 1950. Whoa. The water came down Manal Arroyo from a severe storm in the East Heights. The view is... Yeah. E- East from over 4th Street and shows curving 2nd Street between Phoenix Avenue Northwest on the right and Claremont Avenue Northwest across upper left. Flooded 3rd Street runs across lower central part of picture. Manal Boulevard is a few blocks to the right of the picture. 40 blocks including 200 houses were flooded and damaged with es- was estimated at $250,000. And
0: just to describe this to our uh, listeners, it's a, it's a photo of a, a neighborhood in Albuquerque mm-hmm. um, and it looks like Katrina. It looks yeah. like footage yeah, from Katrina, basically. You yeah. see houses. Here's the, the flood routes. of May
2: 1959 viewed north along Broadway at Lomas. Yeah. And, I mean, that's the cars wow. are half underwater.
0: Broadway and 4th uh, Street yeah. and the, all those streets down there were kind of historically right. would flood because they were, uh, they're old uh, channels of the Rio right. Grande, basically. Oh, so, so those they were. They wanted right.
1: the water wanted to
0: go there. Yeah, right. Yeah.
2: I oh. mean, before the river was um, as controlled as it is now, which mm-hmm. is always yeah. a little sad to see a wild river. G- sure. Be uh, be put in line like that. I mean, floods were so regular from the river, and then yeah. hmm. everything east of the river was like in the floodplain and yeah. totally yeah. susceptible. Right. Um, yeah. Duranis used to the Duranis part of town used to have this phenomenon called yazoos. They were like swamps, and people would uh, take boats around on them. Oh, so really? Yeah, I knew
0: that. Like flooded, the country club area was all swampy. You know, which is weird because you don't think about swamps in this part of the. that's true. Our, no. New Mexico, especially. Yeah,
2: and yet you see that the word for swamp, cienega, a yeah. lot hmm. in New Mexico place names. That's, that's true. so true. Yeah. And it's because I think a part of that is because uh, streams and rivers and creeks and stuff, they used to have swampy areas around them. but now those are just completely filled in with invasive species like tamarisk and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. and uh, Russian olive or whatever. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, and anyway, be careful of floods. Be
1: care- I hope it rains more, but I yeah.
2: hope. Don't, don't hang out in the royals yeah. yeah. when it's Arroyos. cloudy.
0: Ditches are deadly, yeah. is how yeah. I'd put it.
2: Stay away unless it's real sunny out and you're going on a hike or something.
0: And if you see a, yeah. a, a yeah. spooky woman in a long white dress mm-hmm. uh, at night along the arroyo, you With should no ask eyes. her if she needs to go to a homeless shelter or uh, right. needs some other sort of assistance.
2: Have I told yes. the story on this podcast where my friend and I thought we saw La Llorona in a ditch in high school? I can't remember.
0: <laughs> no. <Okay. laughs> we were okay. walking
2: away from High Ridge Theater along Tramway mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, and there's an arroyo running along there. Uh-huh. And suddenly, this woman dressed in rags stood up in the arroyo and just started screaming like a banshee. And we just started running, because it was yeah. just terrifying that and sounds, totally unexpected. La Llorona. Totally we, appropriate. We ran for like a mile before we even thought about <laughs> stopping. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were like, what was that?
1: And then it, it rained it and it she saved you. Yeah. She
2: Blood saved you night. from no. the
0: ditch. Good job. Good yeah.
2: Well, no, unfortunately, it's nonfiction.
0: Well, <laughs> yes. speaking of the arroyos and how they turn yeah. into canyons in the mountains, yeah. are you guys familiar with a place called TWA Canyon? Yes. In the Sandias? I am.
2: Formerly Hoot Owl Canyon? Was it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. And it's still mm. full of owls.
0: Still full of owls. Yeah. Oh, Hoot Owl. Hoot Owl, Canyon. Owl. yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. okay. Cool. Yeah. Um well if you've lived in Albuquerque a certain amount of time like we we said mm. you you might have heard about a plane crash uh that happened in the 1950s and mm-hmm. whose wreckage you can still see from the uh from the tramway on the right kind of day it has to be mm. a day where the uh where the the winter i think is best mm-hmm. because there's less foliage and yeah. mm-hmm. and everything you'll see a
2: glinting bits of wings and metal mm-hmm.
0: it is a real thing and um I wrote a little piece about it, and then I thought we'd talk about what, what happened. Sounds good. Cool. Okay. There are days when the Sandia Mountains, the cresting wave of granite just east of Albuquerque, are simply gone. Low-lying clouds creep up the gentle incline of the eastern side, swallow South Sandia Peak in the crest plunge down the sudden sharp cliffs of the west face and into the canyons and foothills until there is nothing to see but a blank whiteness where mountains once stood. Someone just arriving in Albuquerque for the first time might look in the direction of the 10,000-foot range and never realize that they are there at all. That's how it was on the morning of February nineteenth, 1955. At 7 a.m. on that unseasonably cold Saturday morning, TWA flight 260 lifted off from the Albuquerque sunport en route to Santa Fe with 14 passengers and three crew. Ten minutes into the flight, Captain Ivan Spong and co-pilot James Creerson must have experienced a moment of pure terror as the plane's proximity alarm sounded and one of the craggy spires that make up the western side of the mountains loomed out of the clouds directly before them. They desperately attempted to steer the plane left and pull the nose up, only to slam into another cliff, this one a sharp finger of stone called the Dragon's Tooth. There was no time to scream. All 17 on board died instantly in the collision, the final violence of their lives swallowed by the clouds that had hidden the mountain so completely. Back at the Albuquerque airport, nobody knew that anything had gone wrong. A radio call to Captain Spong at 7.12 a.m. had gone unanswered, but with the cloudy conditions, that was not entirely shocking. It was not until another plane made the 26-minute flight to Santa Fe that word went out that TWA 260 had never arrived. For four hours, ground control hoped that 260 would appear at some nearby airstrip with an explanation for going off course, but by noon, that hope was gone. The plane did not have enough fuel to keep it flying beyond that point. It must have crashed somewhere. Officials at the airport called a search over a 75-square-mile area between Albuquerque and Santa Fe, with particular attention to the Sandia Mountains. Some 50 airplanes participated in the search, some from nearby Kirtland Air Force Base, but violent snowstorms hampered their efforts. State police sent men to search the desert and mountains, and hikers they met were asked to keep a lookout. But by nightfall, there had been no sign of the missing flight. Watchful citizens alerted by radio bulletins reported flares and fires in various locations that night, none anywhere close to where the plane would eventually be found. At 4 a.m. the next day, several hundred Boy Scouts arrived from all over the state to search the Sandia Mountains. One of the passengers, Worth Nickel, had been a scout commissioner in northern New Mexico, and the call went out as soon as the news of the plane's disappearance went public. The scouts brought jeeps, a treaded vehicle built for snow travel called a weasel, and even snowshoes. Throughout the morning, more citizens joined the search. The clouds that had enshrouded the cliffs were gone, but still no one found any sign until finally, in the afternoon, a shuttle pilot flying between Albuquerque and Los Alamos took a detour and flew low over Sandia. A flash of reflected light caught his eye. He flew lower, and there it was, the tail section of TWA 260 jutting incongruously from the sharp outline of the dragon's tooth spire he radioed back that he had found it helicopters soon surveyed the site attempting to get a fix on the position for ground rescue crews to climb to but as noted by colonel gibson of the lowry air force base the scorch marks and shattered metal on the spire left little doubt that there would be no survivors rescuers were unable to reach the site that day and many of them had to spend a cold night in the mountains where the unseasonable weather brought temperatures to 20 degrees below zero. Many of them were unprepared for the overnight stay and huddled around tiny fires trying to keep their hands warm through the miserable, numbing night. The next morning they began moving early to get their blood flowing, and by afternoon, two days after the crash, the first of the climbers reached the scene. What greeted them was terrible and terribly sad. Eight hundred feet beneath the dragon's tooth spire, where the tail section still balanced impossibly, there was metal, twisted pieces of fuselage, melted and resolidified droplets of aluminum, plates and cups, seat backs, papers, and yes, bodies, scattered into pieces like the rest of the wreckage. It was grim work, but over the next two days, the rescue crews identified all 17 passengers and crew. Captain Ivan Spong, who had flown transport planes during World War II, co-pilot First Officer Jesse James Creerson Jr., who had recently bought a house with his wife and whose third child, a daughter, would be born five months after the accident, hostess Sharon Schoening, only 24 years old, Alfred and Dorothy Schoonmaker, and their son-in-law William R. Campbell, who were traveling to Santa Fe to discuss expanding the family diesel engine business, Robert Balk, an Estonian-born geologist with the New Mexico Bureau of Mines. He'd hoped to enjoy a brief visit with his daughter in Santa Fe before heading eastward to attend a meeting of the National Science Foundation. Harold E. Tipps, an accountant who had visited with friends in Albuquerque the night before and played gospel songs on the piano for them. Reverend Earl Frederick Davis, who had just learned of his brother's death by heart attack and was traveling to the funeral. Dan A. Collier, president of a shoe company that had just opened its first store in Albuquerque, Worth Nickel, the Boy Scout commissioner who was making plans to move his family to Albuquerque in the coming summer, Robert Nyland and Harry Scherth, engineers who had come to witness atomic tests in the desert, Homer Bray, an insurance salesman flying to Kansas on business, Robert Riley, an engineer for the American Institute of Steel Construction who was looking forward to his return home to Dallas, Texas, and Lois Dean, a first-grade teacher at Lew Wallace Elementary who had never flown before. Over the next several days, the rescuers removed what they could of the dead and buried the rest on site. After levering the plane's tail from its precarious perch, they left the scattered pieces of Flight 260 where they lay. There was no practical way to bring the wreckage down from the mountains. They said prayers, they cried, they wondered how the crash could have happened, and they carried away memories that lasted the rest of their lives. One night, soon after, the clouds rolled back over the mountains, hiding the spires, the wreckage, the gravesite from view. In time, the scorch marks washed from the rocks. The trees, torn by plummeting metal, regrew their foliage, hiding the plain's scattered form from the Sandia tram, which passed directly overhead.
2: Well, it's a beautiful hike.
0: (laughs) So you guys have actually been up there. Yeah. Um do you want to describe the experience of what it what it's like now? Nora
1: Sure, I'll it's been I think 2 or 3 years. I've been twice. Mm-hmm. I went twice in one summer um with my now husband and we really enjoyed the hike, which sounds weird to say now after reading um about the crash and about the victims.
0: Right. But right. it was
1: it's we went in summer and there you go through different forested areas um with i don't know if it was birch or aspen and then you get this pine just hit Mm. with sun and it just is the smell of like hot pine and nice it was it was really lovely in um in a environment sense yeah and then you get to the you get to the crash site which we didn't explore it that extensively. I didn't realize that you could, you know, maybe we could have walked around more, but it's Mm -hmm. hard to walk around because there is,
2: it's pretty dense. It's dense and there's
1: different elevations. You know, you have to climb, scramble up rocks, but there was, there was um, debris around for sure.
0: So something I I didn't mention in that piece is that um, the pieces are not where they, where they, where they crashed. Right, so some they were actually moved. Are, yeah. Many of them were actually moved.
2: There's a sort of shallow cave mm-hmm. against one wall of the canyon, mm-hmm. and it, everything seems, from what I heard, a lot of the debris and the bodies were that they couldn't pack out, because most of the bodies were packed oh. out, were yeah. pushed into this cave and kind of mm-hmm. filled with dirt. And you can right. see it now. It's pretty obvious. But a lot of pieces are left there. I think one of the first things you see is a big wheel. Mm-hmm. And then um, you see a partial wing and some seats. There's... Uh, there's a lot of recognizable stuff. You know, when, before I went up there, I sort of imagined, like, the whole middle of the plane would be there, and you could, like, go inside it and stuff. It's nothing like yeah. that. right. Uh, you know? It, it you, was pretty... Yeah.
0: Yeah. It was pretty yeah. well destroyed, from yeah. what I understand, right? Like. But
2: it, it's incredibly sobering, because you, like, you're on, like, a fun hike. And by the right. time you get up there, you've been walking for a few hours, mm-hmm. at least. And, um, and then suddenly you're like, oh, the site of mass death. You yeah. know, like r- kind of recently, people who are probably still alive are sad about these deaths. You know, like sure, and um, it it quiets you down really quickly. But mm-hmm. but um, it's a it's a really interesting sight, and that hike up is just incredible. Mm-hmm. There's there's a uh, this series of clear pools next mm-hmm. to a stream or creek that are they're just uh beautiful, and they have tapeworms swimming in them. Like tapeworms, little, yeah, tapeworms, like little white horsehair worms just oh. swimming around in their mm-hmm. natural. Environments which are creepy and horrifying, but like also like oh, it's like this one time I saw roaches out in the desert. I was like, oh, this is where you belong. (laughs) You
0: make sense here. This is your home. Yes.
2: Um, And then there's that stand of aspen. I think they are that you mentioned, and some of them have things carved in them. Like Mm -hmm. it says look at this and tell me god isn't real and then someone carved underneath it okay yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and challenge
0: accepted yeah. but the
2: last time i went that all that bark was like flaking off no. like it's you know every time i every time that hike feels a little I, i've i've done it 3 or 4 times and and um it's a hard hike like i used to be able to kind of bound up it and this last time it slayed me it was absolutely just like that, that's a, it's a steep hike and yeah and it's easy to lose the trail when you're coming down in the dark it's right. hard because yeah. it
1: what is the main trail that it goes off of? I can't remember. It's an
0: unofficial oh, off trail, right? Of, uh, La Luz. Yeah. It's off of yeah. La Luz. Yeah, there, yeah.
1: Isn't there another one? Like Santo Domingo. Ah. Oh I can't. Yeah, I think you're you might Sorry. be. Sorry. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's but it's like it's very exposed and open and rocky at the beginning and then it gets more wooded as you go up and and uh it's it's a really interesting I, I went up with Hagen or, and Anadine, my two oldest kids. Hagen, how old were you when you we went to uh the TWA crash. He was you were 5? Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Apparently I'm a terrible father. <laughs> but uh, but uh they did great and it was really an interesting hike. Wow. But um but uh it is. We we had a really interesting experience on the way up. We got lost and we couldn't find where the trail was and I was like, ah, guys, I don't know where to go. We're like, we're trying, I thought we might have to like scrap this whole thing if we can't figure it out. And suddenly an old man wearing a fanny pack wandered out of the woods and he was like, are you looking for the plane crash? And we're like, yes. And he pointed the way to us (gasps) and then he vanished. I think he was a spirit of the mountains.
0: So is there a memorial (laughs) or there's a memorial plaque or something there?
2: Uh,
1: I haven't seen seen it, but I discovered that there was one. I saw some pictures. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you have not seen that either?
2: Oh, there is. Yeah. There's a little, like, it's not a plaque. It's like an it's like a a little information sheet under plastic that is mm. kind of on a board down at the bottom.
1: I, I don't remember yeah. that. Maybe mm.
2: and my brother David left a geocache there with well, uh, are, photocopies of the old headlines and stuff.
1: Huh.
0: I think the advent of the internet has probably transformed this site. It is, um, yeah. In that you know, it used to be it was never officially yeah. a trail mm-hmm. maintained by the Forest Service, and uh, you kind of just got it through word of mouth or maybe in a book or something mm-hmm. but you had to now you can look it up online mm-hmm. and yeah. find your way there fairly yeah. fairly easily i think um I've definitely seen it and a i would suggest that. if any of our listeners go up there it seems likely that mm-hmm. that some might um you know, just be respectful and totally. and don't take anything yeah. you know that, yeah. that, that that should be you yeah know, Fairly obvious. Trust your trust your instincts on it,
2: right? And respect the tone yeah. of the place too. Like there might be other people there. You don't know what their personal connection is to the story, or
0: and there are right. literally, yeah. you know, human remains buried, yeah, buried near yeah. there. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: it uh, feels it feels like something sad. It does. There. Yeah, it really There's does. There's a different. Yeah, right.
0: So should yeah. we should we talk about what happened exactly? Because yeah. let's let's be clear. They were not supposed to go over to Sandia Mountain at all. Um, their flight. Was a jump to Santa Fe, right. and given that the uh, Sandia Mountains are ten thousand foot peaks, mm-hmm. um, five thousand feet prominent, mm-hmm. you know from uh, from the level of Albuquerque, right. um, going over them is not practical for uh, for flying to Santa Fe back in those days. And so what they were supposed to do was fly directly north from Albuquerque's airport. And then take a dog leg going east, uh, northeast, toward Santa Fe. Because Santa Fe is actually northeast mm-hmm. from Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Instead, they wound up going directly into the, uh, into the cliffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a few theories about what happened.
1: Mm-hmm. And the, the first official theory investigated by the civil... Aeronautics board, mm-hmm. aeronaut, cab, C A B. Right, cab. Um, implied that the pilots were at fault for and they believed they didn't say they never used the word suicide. Um, they right. said uh, that it was a shortcut to Santa Fe, that the pilots were hmm. trying to take a shortcut by going over right. the Sandia's. But so, they, yeah. they were at fault.
0: Civil Aeronautics Board. Civil Aeronautics
1: Board.
2: And there was a snowstorm going on at the time, right? Yeah, that's the thing. pretty serious weather.
0: And this is what's odd about the Civil Aeronautics Board report. Um, So everybody agrees that there was cloud cover over the mountains uh, to the point that they were basically invisible. Um, The Civil Aeronautics Board didn't accept that. They said that it was a clear day, and it was not. I mean, people, we have eyewitnesses as to well, what... Well, and
1: there was this one great quote, and Mike, Ty, and I all have the same book. Um, yeah, it's a great book. <laughs> yeah, which everyone should get if you're interested in more. The Crash of TWA Flight 260 by Charles M. Williams, get one it. of the first responders.
0: So much information about this flight. This is a guy who was actually on the scene. You know, he was... Recovering bodies and and mm-hmm. everything. I mean, he was there. Um, yeah. This book, if you if you want to know about this incident, then this is the book to you get. You it.
1: Yeah. And he um, said that pilots responded to this claim of weather because in Albuquerque by the airport it was clear, but by the mountains it wasn't. And there's this quote from you know a pilot that says, "If it's whatever conditions at an airport, it could be different a mile away." Yeah. And just how yeah. the CAB Right, took the clear weather Mm -hmm. was the the quote.
0: The quote was, um, "We fly airplanes, not airports." Yes, because they're like it doesn't matter what the what the weather is like at the airport; Mm -hmm. it can be completely clear, but the airplane goes somewhere else where it might not be. And anyone who's lived in Albuquerque for a a period of time has seen this phenomenon where the clouds just come crashing like the ocean over the uh, Mm -hmm. over the mountains. So cool, yeah,
2: yeah. Cap -and and banner clouds.
0: So that was the first report. And uh, it came out about six months after the um, after the crash, and the newspapers ran with the uh, the finding that it was intentional by which the mm-hmm. cab uh, the civilian the civil aeronautics board meant that they were probably taking a shortcut. Mm-hmm. The newspapers ran with suicide
1: right
0: which I mean, reading the report, I can see how you might get that, since they don't actually specify that right. it was a, that it was a, a sh- you know, potential shortcut. Um, but for, in order for it to have been suicide, I mean, first of all, that's like the most sensational report possible, right? right?
2: Slanderous.
1: Yeah. It is
0: slanderous. And yeah. it's, it's something that affected people's lives, yeah. like Captain Ivan Spong's wife received phone calls from people harassing her, mm-hmm. you know, saying that her husband had murdered 13 passengers yeah. on that plane, and uh, his her, his son was bullied in school to the extent Ugh. that he got an ulcer by the time he was, like, nine.
2: Oh my you God.
0: know, he, so he had to live with this. Um, Is stress actually connected to ulcers? I thought that was a myth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says in the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> But well, anyway, he got harassed at any rate, and it yeah. was bad. And they thought it was probably the source of the ulcer. Okay.
2: Um,
0: another, uh, so Creerson's uh, one of his children. He had three children. One, one of whom was born after his death. Uh, his middle child would would. Uh, would look at the look at planes going over bu- over and be like, "Did Daddy fly right? Did Daddy fly right?" Because he'd oh. heard that, like, or she'd heard that, you know, her father had not flown correctly. So it, it really had yeah. a, a a dreadful yeah. impact on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't
2: it the pilot's brother that made it his personal crusade to prove this wrong and prove that it was a faulty altimeter?
0: Well, no, it wasn't. A, well, I don't know if his brother had a role. I heard about this. There I, was a I don't TWA. He was
1: mentioned in the book. Oh,
0: okay. Huh. There was a, t, a fellow TWA pilot uh, Larry named Larry DeSells. That's his name. Oh, okay. Larry DeSells, right? And he had exper- experienced a problem while flying the same kind of plane where this compass called a. Um, Fluxgate compass. Fluxgate compass. I had to say that because <laughs> I was like, I'm going to get this
1: right. <laughs> Fluxgate compass.
0: Right. So, did, I had a hard time understanding the technical Me too. reasons for this, the way this thing works. But yeah. did, did you get it at all, Nora?
1: Well, that this special compass was used instead of the standard compass mm-hmm. because it worked in flight conditions. Yet there were certain conditions they discovered right. when it didn't work, but it only, but it, but it like recorrected itself. So yeah. it would be a few minutes of sending you in the wrong direction, right. but yeah. then. It would it would recorrect itself.
0: So there's like a fluid compass, which is like the, the compass you might have in your car or something. It's got like a ball sitting in it and mm-hmm. it's got fluid and, and it points in the direction of north. Mm-hmm. But if you're in an airplane and you go sideways, you know, you, you bank, mm-hmm. it can get stuck mm-hmm. and not be not be true at that point. So they developed this other kind of compass called a flux gate compass. Which I had a hard time really understanding how it worked, but it was supposed to correct this problem, mm-hmm. and it mostly worked. But there were certain conditions, and again, it was mainly during um, during uh, serious turns mm-hmm. where it would get stuck. Wow! So there were actually two of them on each plane, um, one in the left wing, one in the right wing, hmm. and they would feed their information to a to a to a uh, not a dial. What is it? Uh, mm-hmm. Instrument okay. to an instrument in the cockpit and um, and the idea behind having two was that if one went out, they would just use mm-hmm. the other, but there were times when the fluxgate compass would read wrong, and mm-hmm. uh, this guy i 'm sorry decelles right Captain mm-hmm. Larry decelles had had this problem while uh, while flying himself, mm-hmm. and so when he read the report of flight 260, he was really upset um, because it, it seemed insane to him that, first of all, experienced pilots would attempt to take a shortcut mm-hmm. over Sandia Mountains and that kind of plane because that was just not a practical thing to do. Right. The mountains are filled with updrafts and downdrafts, right. and you know it's just not, it's not safe. Also, right? they're,
2: really <laughs> they're really
0: solid. Yeah, they're really solid. So... He thought it was kind of ludicrous that they would have done that. And then the newspapers, of course, were reporting that it was suicide. And in order for it to have been suicide, the pilot and the co-pilot would have both had to have been in on it mm-hmm. and flying straight towards the mountains. And he thought those were both insane. So he, uh, his quote is, the vast majority of airplane pilots have nothing but contempt for the cab conclusion in this case. We will never forget it, and we will never rest until the record has been set straight. Wow. Who said that? The author? Uh, Decells. Decells. the cells. this is a, the, the the t, t w to set the record oh, okay, okay. Straight. right. good. so he uh, he used his energy to uh, to promote this theory mm. of the mm. the compass. and um, as a result of his like agitation, eventually, um the cab reopened their investigation. Mm. Did you read about that? Yeah, the second investigation?
1: Yeah. Um, And that, well, it sounded like a trial where Sells had prepared witnesses and experts to testify against these findings and again, and for the Fluxgate compass um, error. And it said it took like a day and a half. um, And that in the end, they changed their findings to be inconclusive. Mm. Right. So it was, it wasn't really, um, it was never definitive.
0: Mm. Yeah, the, it,
1: but it took off the, you know, yeah. pilot's at fault.
0: Right, it took took out that intentionality. Intentionality, yeah.
2: Isn't it weird that this story involves 1955 and the flux capacitator?
1: <laughs> I know, that's, <laughs> that's what crazy. I Crazy. Yeah. It's a fluxgate com- <laughs> compass.
0: Yeah. You wow. Know, <laughs> <Like, laughs> yes. All right. Okay, so but that <laughs> wasn't the end of it. <laughs> so so they removed the word intentional mm-hmm. from it and said that it was inconclusive and may have been due to instrument failure. But this guy Desels like that wasn't good enough for him, and he kept at it. And they revised it a third time. And the third time they did it, um, they looked at some of the wreckage, the actual wreckage from the plane, and they determined that it did look an awful lot like the. Damn it! You're gonna make me say flux capacitor every time <laughs> <I> now. <know. laughs> that the flux, uh, the flux <laughs> gate compass was reading incorrectly, from what they could tell. Mm-hmm. And they noted that the, the tail had been sticking out of the eastern side of the Dragon's Tooth. Huh. It wasn't sticking out of the western right. side, which would have been if, if they had flown directly into uh. the mountainside, right? So it looked like what had happened, and this is what they believe happened, was, and, and what I mentioned in my, my piece, is that um, Captain Spong saw the cliff face approaching, attempted to correct course because they, hadn't s- they didn't realize they were off course until that moment, hmm. managed to turn himself around and then slammed uh. into the dragon's tooth at that point. Uh. Um, so finally, after this, after this third investigation, the board said, they added this paragraph at the end, the board recognizes that the theory of the Fluxgate compass error advanced by the Airline Pilots Association cannot be disproven. Such error may account for the initial directional error of the flight heading the aircraft toward the Sandia Mountains. Wow. However, it cannot account for the continued flight long past the time the crew should have noticed the error. Interesting. And that's oh. them refusing to accept cloud cover as having <laughs> existed there.
1: Because the whole time they said, well, why didn't they see yeah. that they were yeah. near the mountain?
0: Right. Fools. They kept coming back yeah. to this point, And yeah. for some reason, like I said, there there are eyewitnesses who saw the mountains completely covered right. up at this point. Yeah. And uh, they just wouldn't let it go.
2: Fun yeah. fact, when you see the weather or temperature or any of that stuff for Albuquerque, it's all measured at the airport. Yeah. And so that's, you know, and that's still to this yeah. day. It's been that way since there's been an airport.
0: And the airports in yeah. one of the warmer, less yeah. likely to be experiencing dramatic Totally weather. different part of town mm-hmm. than, yeah. than near the mountains. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Um. So I want to say that even though, you know, so they, they eventually... Essentially, cleared the pilot
2: yeah,
0: from right. this, mm-hmm. at least as far as like it wasn't suicide.
2: Because um, what an accusation I mean, to make! You yeah, know?
0: but I think the more important um, result of this was that at this point, um, airlines were still using this flux gate compass, hmm. Hmm. Um, and like I said, there were two of them. There was one in each wing, hmm. and until that point, it would the the instrument in the uh, in the in the cockpit would only take a reading from one of them unless that one went out, then it would take a reading from the second. And what the cells had realized was that even though one would be off, the other one would usually be correct. Mm. And so he managed to lobby for airlines to implement a system where it would compare the two Mm -hmm. and if they were showing two uh, different headings, Mm. then it would sound an alarm that the pilot needed Mm -hmm. to there was a button he could push that would reset everything. And then he would do that. So that Well, that's significant. That's pretty significant and actually saved, you know, probably a lot of lives. Yeah. Yeah. So.
2: Well, no, when that happened, it was the largest commercial airline crash, right? It was like a big deal. Is that right? That's what I've I think I've heard that,
0: yeah. I know, it was definitely like a big deal. Yeah.
1: And reading about the headlines, I mean, it sounded, you know, like it was
0: was big news. Yeah.
2: I have interviewed. and actually, I considered him a friend when he was alive. When he was alive, and uh, he was a super cool guy, Bob Cooper, who uh, is the grandson of Hugh B. Cooper, who founded Presbyterian Hospital. But he was maybe the second person on scene at the really? at the crash site, and he told me a horrifying story of it. His dad at the time. Hugh Cooper Jr. I think his name was was the postmaster general for Albuquerque, which is apparently a title, and um, <laughs> and uh, he was tasked with going to find this uh, mail. There were forty six pounds yes. of mail that were up wow. in the uh, in the in the mountains at the time. And so Bob and had been a forest ranger, and he found a way down to get to it. And he said he found everybody still seat belted into their seats, but their heads way far ahead of them. And yeah. it was horrifying, and the conditions were terrible. And once they found out where it was, and they went and uh, got people to oh come back to the site.
0: Let me. There's a quote from Charles Williams on that oh, subject. Yeah. Oh, so okay. can I read that real yeah, quick yeah. here? Yeah. And I feel like if you haven't already turned this off because your kids are listening, this might not be appropriate for Just turn it off for here. children. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come back and listen yeah. to it yourself, yeah. preferably several <laughs> times. Um, so this is according to Charles Williams Who uh, who participated in the uh, in, in the recovery okay. effort You know, what was originally a rescue effort But qu- quickly became yeah. a recovery effort The human victims had also been subjected To crash, fire, and explosion The sudden deceleration Caused by the crash smashed their skulls So that death was instantaneous And many of the bodies were dismembered We found isolated Torsos, arms, legs, feet Some burned, but none gory Because they had been frozen solid The fire and subsequent extreme cold had made the crash site a somber place but not unbearable. The corpses were headless in the sense that their heads were formless. Skull bones having been pulverized by the initial impact so that they no longer supported recognizable facial features.
2: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Good thing you warned parents. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Very sad. The kind of thing you could probably never unsee, right? Yeah. As someone who
2: participated in that. And when you hear those details, like you mentioned in your piece about what the people were like and where they were going, one was on his way to a funeral. I mean, yeah, oh, uh,
0: irony. Um, the with
1: a kid about to be born in uh, five months. And first
0: flight ever. Uh, yeah, for uh, for Lois uh, and Lou, the, the the teacher. Lou Wallace. At which Lou I won't Wallace. Buy a lot. Yeah, and there was someone yeah.
2: that was in the West watching nuclear tests. That's yeah, crazy. Two what a little there. microcosm of like what was actually going on at that time.
0: And it's just like this uh, these lives all cut. You know, yeah. cut yeah. down at that exact moment. And yeah. it's like, I don't know. It's uh, it's easy to forget about that because, I mean, I've certainly talked about this um, plane yeah. in TWA Canyon before, yeah. but never knew anything about the victims. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's no, a good was, perspective yeah.
1: to
2: take. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, they're real people yeah.
1: with, uh, that affected. Right.
2: right. Yeah, we all have our, like, family stories about accidents or yeah. whatever's happened, you know. And it, like, you know, and, and these are some ones, you know. Mm-hmm. They're probably people still talking about their grandparents or parents that
0: mm-hmm. Actually, in this book, you know? that, uh, Charles yeah. Williams talks to many of the family members, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they are people who are still trying to, like, understand what happened. Like, they right. heard that their grandfather died in this accident mm-hmm. or their great-grandfather, and so they want to learn about it, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. It's- it's
2: really an awesome hike. I recommend it. Like it, you know. It's 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 sobering, but like, yeah. It's it's the plane crash is almost like not. It's not even the best part of. The I know. Hike, you know? Yeah. It, it's you have this sad destination, mm-hmm. but it's just a, it's good to get up in the mountains and see what's back there.
1: Yeah, you know, it shows you how, you know. and like these rescuers, just how yeah. deep and unknown yeah. the mountains can be.
0: Yeah. You think, oh, sure, you'll
1: be able to find this plane that crashed, but it was really difficult.
0: We didn't really even talk that much about the search and rescue, but that was like a big deal on its own.
1: Right.
2: You can, I mean, even today you can get really lost up there. Like, I, I, I... there's an article I want to write. I have a bunch of things I've found in newspaper archives about a guy who got lost in 1982 in that same canyon heading up there. And um, he fell and got a head injury and broke his glasses and wandered around for three weeks before yeah. he was he oh was uh, finally
0: found. People die you know? every year there, I feel like, mm-hmm. or certainly often enough that yeah. you it's notable. Yeah. yeah. Did you read about the uh, the search and rescue efforts?
1: Yeah, and just how so many people came together who wouldn't, how the mountaineering group in particular was looked to and relied on because of their skills. And then how Hibben.
0: Yeah. A podcast favorite, Frank Hibben, uh, was was a
2: major part of this effort. I want to (laughs) hear this. What Frank Hibben from our Sandia cave
0: episodes. Absolutely. He, uh, he had, um, so Frank Hibben, um, give us a quick,
2: he is a famous archeologist who has since been proven very fraudulent in many aspects of his life. Uh, salting sites created oh. the San Diego Cave Hoax i think we <laughs> yes. can safely call it <laughs> probably you know?
0: created the New Mexico Mystery Stone probably which is supposed the to be Las the Ten Commandments. Yeah. yeah oh my god uh, written in ancient mm. aramaic on the in the middle of yeah. uh, the Monsano Mountains um, Yeah. just happened to have been found by Frank Hibben
2: may have been a nazi was a horrible big game hunter he his loved house hunting. Was a nightmare yeah, yeah. You know? so in,
0: in fact that was why he was someone who got involved in this was because he'd gone mountain lion hunting many a time mm. up in the Sandia mountains. So he, uh, he was and part another of this.
1: connection. The pilot, Ivan Spong was taking a night class
0: of mm. Frank Hibbins mm. at
1: UNM. And wow. so that was sort of used as evidence that this guy isn't, he's this very like straight laced, serious yeah. guy who for fun takes a university course.
2: Uh, we know a Spong, Stephanie Spong. I wonder if she's oh. related to this
0: hmm. captain. Good Lord. <gasps> that didn't even occur that to me. That didn't occur to me. Huh. Is she... Uh,
2: she's a She was our, one of our colleagues in Grasso. Is Grattel.
0: she from Albuquerque, like born I mean, and raised? I'm not
1: sure. We know. need to look into this. Yeah. Stephanie, if you're listening, yeah. <laughs> reach
0: out. <laughs> um, yeah, so and then there was... Uh, so like I said in the, the piece, these uh, these guys kind of climbing around... They hadn't really prepared themselves for the possibility of staying overnight and this was in the middle of this crazy cold snap where it got -20 yeah. and they in the were mountains. there
1: overnight. They
0: didn't I have can't. sleeping bags. They were dressed in, you know, whatever they were wearing that Could day. Couldn't they not
1: lay down because they're on some ledge and they were like taking turns in front of yeah. this fire? Is That's that- what
0: William said. Is that how
1: people
2: used to hike or something? When you read about <laughs> John Muir, he's like, I put on my overcoat, filled my pockets with bread, and set
0: out. <laughs> what do you do? Well, there were at least two. They were two... tougher back then. They're so soft now. I guess. So <laughs> once they realized that these people were kind of crawling all over the mountains looking for this plane, and it was getting dark, um, there were a couple of attempts to get supplies to them. But they kept dropping it in the wrong canyons. So they they would air they would airlift these supplies and then drop them oh, with man. a parachute and then would just go down in the wrong canyon. This happened at least twice. Um, so wow, <laughs> yeah. But somehow none of them died. You know, I know that to me is remarkable.
1: Yeah. And that people just people curious didn't right. get hurt or like die yeah. going to look for this. I have
2: a theory that snow used to be less cold.
0: <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I. I I camp <laughs> you know, in a sleeping bag, in a tent <laughs> with my entire family with me, right. and it gets 35 degrees, right. and I'm just like, oh, it's so cold. Right. I mean, these guys cool. are out there at negative 20, like, oh attempting to light fires, and the wood's all green and soaked with snow, and, right. you oh. know, like, man, what is wrong with right. me? Yeah. The trick, William Potter, is not minding that it hurts. It's Lawrence <laughs> Arabia. Ah, there we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there we go. Something. I
2: don't <laughs> Well, no. it's a sad story, and it's still there it's, it's like still, still yeah. there and you can yeah. see it yeah
0: um, um anything else we should talk about with the with the plane crash, this plane crash, or should we move on to some other plane crashes in San Diego?
2: Um yeah, I could tell about some uh, other yeah,
0: plane wanna, crashes well do you have any anything left that we excited. should get back to about the
1: no, I think just the recommendation if you want to know more, Williams yeah. talks about it. Y- at yeah, length.
2: It's a, it's really a must own if you care about the mm-hmm. topic. It's
0: it's a great book. Crash you can get it at F- Treasure House Books yes. on the set on the uh, Old Town Plaza. Just voted yeah. some
1: bookstore. Just got
0: voted some bookstore <laughs> <Store>. From <laughs> some <laughs> magazine. Wow!
1: <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> I, believe it, I believe it
0: was uh, in the running for best of Berkey uh, oh, for the alibi. Oh, okay.
1: I didn't know how to that original thing, too.
0: Is it? Oh, did. It did. It got
1: them. some, like, so hidden gem. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah.
0: Ooh.
2: Well, um, so, Mike, you tell us about these other planets. All right. Plans. Well, I, I wrote a column, uh, when was this? A long time ago, 2011. Uh, about various plane crashes in the Sandias. Um, the Sandias are a big mountain next to a major New Mexico city, hmm. and the major New Mexico city. And um,
0: so, hey, hold on, I just want to say real quick huh? they count as a range. Yeah. Because there's two peaks.
2: I used to think that was silly because it seems so monolithic. It seems like one yeah, thing. Yeah, it but really it, does. But if you get back in there, it really does feel yeah. like it expands this is mountain.
0: There, mm-hmm. there are peaks in the back too. Yeah. Take look, peak. Right, and all this stuff, right. So. This
2: is not a painted backdrop. It's a sculpture that is like yeah. very right. layered. Um, but so I found that during World War II, at least two military planes crashed into it. They really? did. They, you can still see like... There is a certain canyon. I forget that where it is. Mike Coltrane told me about this, uh, who wrote the Sandia Mountain Hiking Guide, um, where you can still see bombing targets from when they were practicing during World War II. In the, 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 in the mountains? In the Sandias, and they're, they're laid out in a pattern.
0: Um, was, is one of those a swastika? Yeah, I
2: have heard that at least Wait, one is a swastika. Real? Oh, the bombing. Yeah, Right,
0: because they like, oh, they're
2: you know, like, know, yeah. get the Nazis bomb, bomb the Germans, voting
0: yeah. for them like they do now. Yeah. Oh, but oh. so there,
2: there have actually been so many crashes in the Sandias that there's no, like, legit tally of how many there have been. Really? There, there's an urban legend mm-hmm. of a major plane flying into it and just never being found again. And this story what? has come up again and again in my research. Jeez. There are also a number of sites where people have, like, found plane crash remains, but they don't have a clear story on, and like... And these
0: would be, like, smaller planes, yeah, I Yeah, exactly, like, yeah.
2: Some of the most interesting... There was one in uh, the Carnwell area into Harris Canyon where um, let's see what did I write here. In the 1960s, three people were reported missing, but when the plane was found, it contained four bodies.
0: Oh, so I
2: heard about this. Super wild.
1: What happened?
2: Uh, well, it turns out they were on their way to uh, some
0: sort of burial. That's right. They, they, were, they, were they were transporting oh. a body. They were bringing a and body. it was yeah.
1: super burnt. Or it was already, didn't yeah. they embalm it? Or, and they yeah, discovered right. that it was, yeah. Because
0: at first they they're like, right.
1: murder. Yeah. Then yeah.
2: there was another in the 1970s. And it's really hard to find details on these things. I know you could comb the newspapers probably and find them. But that's a that's an involved task. Um, one that I've heard many stories from in the Sandias involved a small plane coming back from Las Vegas, Nevada, just where, where one of the people on the plane had just won a jackpot and had hundreds of thousands of dollars in a satchel on the plane. And when this small plane crashed, um, the, the mountains were scoured for people looking for that Mm -hmm. money forever. But I have interviewed a guy who would only let me talk to him anonymously because he was poaching on someone else's land at the time Uh and he saw the plane crash and he saw the propeller go and hit into a tree. He told me and he, and so I kind of know generally where this was, but did he take the money? He didn't tell me that, but yeah, um,
0: that'd be stupid. Yeah. But you know,
2: um, (laughs) then I I, stole the money. I could get conjectural. Yeah. I could add other details here. (laughs) Um, but, uh, so that was a, that was a, no one ever admitted to having found it. Um, uh, in 1999, three golfers returning from a uh, tournament were killed when when their plane's engine failed, and they uh, exploded. Uh, their plane exploded against the western side, and now there's like a memorial with golf balls uh,
3: hmm. there oh, where wow. that
2: was. And in 2007, I remember when this one happened. There was a small plane that crashed in June, and uh, r- rescuers couldn't get anywhere near the plane forever because the bears were eating everybody.
0: Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah.
2: When.
0: This was two thousand seven yeah June I've never heard of this
2: eighteenth two thousand sevens Albuquerque journal mentions it, oh,
0: oh my God, wow,
2: yeah, so I mean yeah. the Sandias have a history, and some of these sites are so remote that the people I've talked to that have been to them say that there's just like bits of bone around, oh. and it's like these are like <sighs> grave sites oh my i mean they're they're like open. they're death sites, yeah, yeah they're like and um and you know these are like. They're interesting sites to visit. You know, I've, I've been to a couple in, in, the, in the Sandias. But, like, they're not fun destinations at all. Right. These are, mm-hmm. like, people's death places, and you can feel them.
0: It's like a pilgrimage of remembrance. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: You know? So, like, I hope if we ever joke or anything like this in this podcast, I hope people know, we, you know, we, t- we take life and <laughs> right. death seriously. You know,
0: <laughs> not our own lives, but the lives no. of others.
2: <laughs> you know, no, I mean, you know, sometimes like there's so many podcasts, like My Favorite Murder or something like yeah. that. I just can't right. get into them because I'm like, I just don't feel that flippant about
0: this stuff. Although, in but, My Favorite Murder's defense, yeah. I did just listen to their episode on the the West Mesa Killer. Oh, they did a really good job, Didn't and I really thought right? I, I thought I walked the line pretty well. Oh, long. Okay, so okay. I, maybe I'll, I would maybe say I'll listen to that years. if you're interested. Okay, okay. We keep talking about maybe doing that one, but it's pretty grim for us.
2: Well. If we did ours, it would be different. It, yeah. You know, we've yeah. talked about doing a very victim-centric version. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Folks
1: on the side. Highlighting,
2: yeah, their yeah.
0: yeah. lives.
2: Um, we should talk about that eventually. I that's, think we have to. It's a big It's a bit of yeah. an elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. It's like
0: Breaking Bad. Like, it's got to happen eventually right. here. got
2: to talk about it. But, so the Sandias have a lot of uh, incidents that have happened like that.
0: Well, and I think it's important to remember that it, it really is a pretty wild place. Mm. You know, it's right on the edge of our city, and mm-hmm. it's easy to forget... Totally, but you can you can find a thousand ways to die up there, you know, and and people won't even find your body for ages. Like it's 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 a place of uh, of real wild nature, Mm -hmm. and um, as a result, you kind of have to treat it with respect if you go up there. Definitely, I remember love those mountains being young and stupid and and climbing up Laloo's trail in the yeah. middle of the night as a college student oh and it was snowy and fortunately we like turned back before anybody <laughs> slipped off the damn mountain but Good. there's a story a couple of years ago some people who did exactly that yeah. and wound up slipping off the mountain yeah. and dying and and you you really have to yeah yeah
1: it's not it, just respect the ground of yeah
0: right and it's it's a sacred mountain too i mean this is you know an important yeah. place for right the people who have lived here for thousands of years. Millennia. Yeah. Right. um, Yeah. It's not just a fun place to go skiing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't think anybody's been skiing there in a few years. I don't know know. know. how well well that operation is going. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, well,
1: take care if you go on the trail too, because like Ty said earlier, it's unmarked. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. Hard to find. Don't yeah. Don't go
0: for alone. Don't go alone. For sure. Right. Go with a buddy.
2: Definitely. And if you get lost, you have to wish for the old man of the mountains to come out. <laughs> and he'll emerge from the woods. Make sure
0: your pocket knife is sharpened right. so you, if you have to <laughs> cut your arm off, right. it's uh, fairly oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> and he'll pull some chapstick out of his fanny pack and while he's chapping up, he'll tell you he'll tell where you to the go secrets.
1: Oh, that sounds magical.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well I feel like on that note. <laughs> so, um, I think
2: we're done. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening, man. I love doing this podcast. This is fun. You guys are cool.
0: I want to thank our newest guy and gal Patreon <laughs> donor, Jen Panhorst. Oh, who oh, we know, our yay. good friend Jen. That's Panhorst so
1: cool. Is thank a, you, Jen. Is
0: and a to us. So thank you, Jen,
2: and who always supports our live events. She comes dope. to everyone. She's Hard, really all of them.
1: there for us. Yeah.
2: She's great. Good people.
0: Thank um, you. Yeah. So, and if you want to support us, we yeah. are available on uh, patreon.com slash city on the edge.
2: You know, and, but, you know, just tell your friends too. Like, also tell your yes. friends. Yeah, we want to see this thing kind of grow. We'd like everyone that wants to hear it to be able to hear it.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. so fun, isn't it? <laughs> it
0: is. Well, there's no other,
2: there's no other podcast about Albuquerque history that I know of. Is there another one?
0: Not that I'm aware of.
2: And we're like a major city with hundreds it's, of thousands of people yeah. here. So
0: come and on. hundreds and we got our of yeah. stories. We got a few pals. We should yeah. do. Um, well, we did. A, did we do one just on a bunch of podcasts? I think we talk, We certainly talked to Angora with the uh, Alba Crazy, and then we talked to the Ten Drink Minimum guys. Yeah. We should maybe we should look into that at some point for yeah. our, in the mm-hmm. fall. Um, okay. Well, thank you guys for listening. Yes, yeah. and uh, write us
2: letters, emails. Give us yeah, Facebook write us Facebook. write messages. us emails. We love it. The weirder, the better. Write, write stuff. Yeah, we'll answer yeah. your dumb questions. Have you heard a weird sound in there the are, woods recently? Or your there backyard? There are no
1: dumb
0: questions. Well, there are no dumb questions, but if you ask a dumb question, <laughs> we'll answer it.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. That always um, feels like a challenge when people say that. There's no stupid questions. I'm like, really?
0: Well, what about this one? See, that's a dumb question right there. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what we're doing next. Do you? Indian school. Indian yes, school. we're going to talk yep. about Indian school. Mm-hmm. We have this great, we have this road going right through the middle of our city called yeah. Indian School, yeah. and you would be shocked at the number of people who don't realize that it's actually about an official Indian school yes. that, that actually existed here. So we're going to talk about that and, and so, what's happened. Yeah. So
2: if you thought plane crashes were depressing, don't worry because next week's is about people being <laughs> taken away from their families and. Uh, oh my gosh.
0: Uh, yeah. We'll try to we'll try <laughs> to look at all the <laughs> nuances. <Yes. laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs)